Do dinosaurs exist? According to one woman on YouTube, she makes the claim that they don't. But are her claims legitimate? And does she really represent the Christian view when it relates to dinosaurs, science, and faith? In addition, we're going to look at on today's podcast the silence of God. Is it real for the believer, or is it simply an illusion? Catch this and a lot more on a special Thanksgiving edition of the Bellator Christie podcast right now as we step into the arena of ideas. Listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. And we welcome you to a special Thanksgiving edition of the Bellator Christie Podcast. This is Brian Chilton. We thank you for joining us today. Hope you're doing well wherever you may be. Uh, do we're going to have a fairly brief podcast today, but I do want to look at a couple of issues um, as they relate to the Christian worldview, Christianity, theology, apologetics, uh, but before we do so, we do want to uh, ask that you will go, if you will, go, in, uh, <laughs> I cannot get my words out this morning, bear with me, uh, that you do go and check out the website, bellatorchristie.com, and while you're there, be sure to subscribe, and also you can uh, invite, we invite you to subscribe to the uh, the podcast on the various apps that you may find uh, the podcast on. Uh, we are on uh, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, as well as iTunes. I'm going to start off the podcast today with uh, a video clip. Uh, well, actually, it's the audio of a video clip by one Kristen Euclair. She is from Southbridge, I believe it's Southbridge, Massachusetts, and she is part of an organization called Christians Against Dinosaurs. And she makes a claim that, uh, that dinosaurs are a hoax, uh, her and her organization do. Uh, I have some reservations about the legitimacy of this video. Now, she has actually gone on, to, on some atheist websites, uh, atheist podcasts even, uh, and, and defending this view. But I don't know, again, I don't know the legitimacy of it because I found some, doing some, a little bit of investigation myself, I found some reasons to believe that this may actually be a spoof. So um, let's just first start by listening at this clip. This again is Kristen Euclair, and the organization she's with is Christians Against Dinosaurs. Here is the uh, here is an audio clip of the video making its rounds on YouTube. a little bit about fossils that are found in the ground. And um, I guess I'll start a little bit about what the fossils actually are and then go into um, a little bit about the 
composition and what they end up being when everything is said and done. Um, so a fossil is not actually a piece of bone. A fossil is actually um, a bone that was once in the ground that has been then filled with limestone, calcium, and other kind of stone-like deposits over the course of many, many years. And at the end of the day, it ends up looking like a bone, but it's not really a bone. It's really a rock instead of rock. So you have a rock this big, and you say, okay, inside this rock this big, there's a bunch of fossils. Here you go. And you hand the rock off to a paleontologist, and the paleontologist takes a little mallet, and they chip away at it, and at some point they come out with something looking like a bone, and that's a fossil. So um, here's the question that I pose. Now, the first fossil that was ever found was actually after they came up with the idea of a dinosaur. Right? That seems a little bit far-fetched, right? Why would the bone that was found or the fossil that was found actually be the exact same thing as what was originally hypothesized without any other evidence? It doesn't make any sense. So, now I give to you. Here, you're my paleontologist. Turn that into what it was before I ripped it apart. Here. You can add some spackle too. As much spackle as you want. You're going to turn this into what it's supposed to be. Alright. Who knows what you're going to come up with, right? Now, here, take this same substance, this same spackle, and by the way, it's supposed to be this little guy, Brachiosaurus, who's 40 meters tall. This is what he looks like. This is what the head was supposed to look like. This is a Brachiosaurus skull. Make your Brachiosaurus skull. With that and as much back as you can. Chances are, what are you going to come up with? If you want to keep your job, you come up with a Brachiosaurus skull. If you want to be truthful, you come up with whatever it was that I smashed apart to get this stuff. When millions of dollars are on the line, which one are you going to do? My guess is you're going to go with the Brachiosaurus. That's where the money is. Um, so, I hope this was insightful for what happens on a daily basis in the world of paleontology. Thank you very much for listening, and I will see you next time. Okay, on the video, the first thing that uh, appears to me in, in is, you know, a lot of times you can read more by body language than you can anything else. And one of the first things that appear to me is that, uh, that Kristen has a bit of a smirk on her face. And the question I have is, is, is the legitimacy of her position. Does she really believe this, or is she... Is she? I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the woman. I really don't. Um, you know, she may be legitimate in her beliefs. She may be a legitimate Christian. She may be legitimate in believing that dinosaurs don't exist. For all I know, but um, but I am a little bit. 
I am a little bit skeptical. When looking at her, her social media account, I, I found that uh, that uh, she was quite liberal in her in her views. That doesn't mean that she's not a Christian. That doesn't mean that she doesn't believe this. Uh, there are Christians all across the the, the political spectrum. Okay, uh, but it is it is a little odd. Uh, it is a little odd, I think, taking this this extreme of extreme view <laughs> that you find, and then but also supporting what seems to be where she supported Bernie Sanders. That's not to say that she's not legitimate. I mean, there may be a lot of. For all I know, I wouldn't think this would be the case, but there may be conservative. <laughs> Individuals who are Bernie Sanders supporters. I wouldn't think that would be the case, but this is a weird world. Let's just be honest. And by saying that, I'm not saying that if you, that you can't be a Christian and support Bernie Sanders, you can't be a Christian and support different ones. I'm, that has little to do with the person's Christianity. But but it is a, it is a bit odd um, to take this extreme of a view and and to have liberal inclinations. It's just a bit odd to me. And then I come across something else looking looking up the name, and again, I'm not trying on a witch hunt by any means, but I'm just trying to get to the bottom of, of whether or not this lady actually believes what she's saying. Um, because again, there's a bit of a, if you watch the video, you'll see that there's a, she has a bit of a smirk on her face as she's saying this. It seems, it has to me, from the first time I watched this, it has the appearance that this video is a spoof. If you're in the Christian world, you you probably you're probably uh, you probably recognize the name Babylon B, which is a satirical website. It is a it's a website that uh, gives fake news. This had all the you know if if you can say like you had a hunch or something like that. This had all the feelings of being a spoof, a satirical video. Um, I noticed that going back to June sixteenth, two thousand fifteen, this video is actually old. Uh, this is this this video is probably dated, but it's it seems like sometimes the video has to be online for a while before it really makes its rounds. And I may be a little late even talking about this, but anyhow, um, uh, Christian Eau Claire runs for is run ran for town council back in twenty fifteen, and. Um, there, she's looking. Run, she ran for town council in um, Southbridge, Massachusetts. But then I noticed later on that there are individuals who said that they can't bring themselves to vote oneself to vote for someone who doesn't believe in dinosaurs. And um, then someone says later later on that the piece you were referring to was a work of satire. Um, and so again, you know, there were. Um, she didn't herself necessarily say that it was a work of satire, but there were others who said that it were that it that it was. Um, and then another lady. It seems to be that there was maybe some type of a response that she had. That's not showing on the website, but she says, "Thank you, Kristen. Thank you for your response. But quite honestly, you work too hard at being satirical to be believable that it wasn't satire, or be trustworthy enough to know that you are being truthful or satirical." So again, it, we we don't have the smoking gun in that 
from what I have found that that Kristen herself necessarily said that this was a work of satire. But it seems to be, all the inclinations are there that this is a satirical work, which, if it is or if it isn't, one thing I would say to the Christian community is to be careful what you accept as legitimate online. And I think this not only goes for this video against dinosaurs, I think it also goes you know, for anything you find online. You need to have some type of filter where you test it to see whether or not it's legitimate. And obviously test the claims. Now, if you go back and you listen to this video, obviously the logic in this video is just completely erroneous. It is building off... And unfortunately, I've seen this in the church today. It's built off an anti-authoritarian, anti-intellectual worldview. And beloved, understand that we as Christians, we should understand first and foremost that we depend on one another. We depend on God. So we should not be anti-authoritarian. And in like manner... Uh, while, yes, I understand that there are many forces against us today, I understand that completely. But let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, because in another video, Kristen said she had 12,000 followers in this organization. This organization has apparently taken off what may have started as a satirical movement has now... And unfortunately, gathered in some individuals in this movement, whether they're legitimate or not, I don't know. But it does seem that people are falling for this. And again, I don't know. Maybe she is, is true in her convictions. But seeing the posts that I did on where she was running for town council, seeing some, some posts that uh, on her social media account makes me inclined to believe that this is not a legitimate belief by Miss O'Claire. Which makes me believe that we in the Christian, the fact that people, any Christian has fallen for this, leaves a lot of concern in my mind. I mean, I believe that we have a lot of conspiracy theorists out there that, and this, these, this, overwhelming conspiracy theories that we have is poisoning the logic of the church. It's poisoning us. So we have to be careful with that, folks. Now, as far as dinosaurs, does the Bible mention dinosaurs? Well, no, it doesn't. It doesn't mention dinosaurs. Now, some people see in Job that the Leviathan and the Behemoth may be an appeal to some type of dinosaur uh, being, perhaps. But uh, another question is, are, the, are dinosaurs, the existence of dinosaurs, opposed? Uh, are, do they, do they uh, relate? Do they, they find themselves in a Christian worldview? Well, of course they do. Of course they do. God is truth. All truth is God's truth. And whether we find 
several thousand more species of dinosaurs or whether the ones we have in place now or the ones that exist whatever the case may be it really doesn't matter and I'll tell you why because if you follow Genesis chapter 1 you see that God made all life God made all life Uh, God says in verse 24 of Genesis chapter 1 let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds livestock creatures that crawl wildlife of the earth according to their kinds and it was so and God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds the livestock according to their kinds and all the creatures that crawl on the ground according to their kinds and these animals came before human beings now, in relation to, in relation to the viewpoints of how long creation was, if if you've been listening to the Bellator Christie podcast long enough, you know that there are multiple views: young Earth interpretations, old Earth interpretations, uh, progressive creationists. Uh, there are day age theories, uh, the gap theories. There are multiplicity. There's a there's a plethora of different viewpoints pertaining to the age of the universe, the age of the world, um, and how that fits in to a biblical worldview. The linchpin of Christianity is not built upon the existence of dinosaurs. Okay? Uh, As far as I'm concerned, I think the evidence is pretty clear. I think dinosaurs did roam the earth. I think that we have evidence, a multiplicity of evidence out there that say, that say that they do. Uh, God is a creative God. I have no problem with saying that God created dinosaurs. I mean, what's the big deal? I mean, to me, this shows honestly, uh, this video is, one, could be satirical on the one hand, but if it is legitimate... I think it's it's based on faulty logic. It's really it's really based on faulty logic. It's it's based on a rejection of authority. It's re- it's based on a a hyper sensationalist uh, conspiracy theory that I think we in the church need to abhor. We we need to drift away from that. Uh, because that thinking is, I think, dangerous and leads us down some paths uh, which we don't need to go. Okay. So with that being said, we're going to jump into the second part of our podcast here in just a moment. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to talk about the silence of God. Is it, an, is it simply an illusion for the believer? Catch that here in just a few moments right here on the Bellator Christie Podcast. When I first wrote Evidence That Demands a Verdict, truth wasn't so much an issue as what is truth, can you know truth, but now it is. Some of the issues are different because of the internet, like the claim that Jesus doesn't even exist. Are there other gospels that should have been in the Bible? Is Christianity just a copycat religion? So when we updated this, because I hear it from students so often, I thought we have to have the single best chapter that responds to this claim, and I think we do. We had to rewrite Evidence Demands a Verdict because there's so much new evidence out there. It's like one Greek scholar said, the evidence now for the scriptures is like a tsunami, an avalanche that is hitting, and we want you to be aware of that. 
We want every young person, every student, every pastor, every professor to be aware of the new evidence out there, to understand not just what they believe, but why they believe it. Evidence that demands a verdict. On sale everywhere, October 3rd, 2017. Go to hashtag true evidence. Welcome back to the Bill Tor Christie Podcast. I hope you will get your copy of Evidence That Demands a Verdict. It uh, should be in bookstores. It is, not should be, it is in bookstores everywhere. Uh, so be sure to go get your copy uh, today. All right, we've been talking about uh, a lot about uh, dinosaurs. <laughs> we've spoken about uh, uh, this weird belief of, uh, this bizarre belief that we find if it is even a legitimate belief that's floating out there online and so we just want you to be aware of that uh, just to be careful and not not only in this but of course with anything you see online um, folks I'll be honest I've been duped before myself uh, there have been some things on social media I had a good friend of mine uh, who caught something uh, it was a weather report that uh, apparently came from a satirical website, and so uh, a good buddy of mine pointed that out. So, listen, it happens to all of us, uh, but we just have to be careful, especially as Christians, um, what we about what we buy into. And we have to be we have to be careful about what we accept as an authority online, and that's why most universities, in fact, I dare say nearly all universities, don't accept things just taken at face value online. Um, as far as uh, scholar scholarship goes, it has to be something that's been credentialed, something that's been tested, and uh, and I think that's a good thing. I want to read to you uh, as we close up this podcast, this special Thanksgiving podcast of uh, the Bellator Christie podcast. I want to read you something today from Gary Habermas, and uh, it's it's a very powerful thing. He he, he writes a chapter in an essay in the book called Come Let Us Reason, New Essays in Christian Apologetics. Uh, the editors are Paul Copan and William Lane Craig. Uh, this is a great, great read. If you haven't had a chance to read it, this this is I highly suggest you pick up your copy today. He, he goes through, Gary Habermas, his, uh, his contribution to the book is on the silence, silence of God. And when that is when God seems like He is not near us. This is part of the second uh, part called the God Question. Um, William Lane Craig writes a piece on objections so bad I couldn't have made them up. Robert Stewart writes a, a, a an essay on the insufficiency of naturalism, and Gary Habermas writes uh, on the silence of God. Um, he says in the conclusion, and I want to read the conclusion because I think this is powerful. He makes the argument that the silence of God may not be real. In fact, that we know that God is truth and that he is always with us. God cannot lie as we see in Titus 1-2. So if God cannot lie, that means that it's not only um, that God will not lie. It's that God cannot lie because it goes against his very nature. So if God tells us that he will be with us, he will. 
if God promises that he will save us, if we come to him in faith, he has. And when he's promised us that we have an eternity with him in heaven, we will. Um, God can't lie. So that's something we need to remember. But um, I want to read this conclusion because I think he brings out a powerful point. Habermas writes, even though, uh, excuse me, through even a brief look at this detailed subject of God's silence, several things should become obvious, he says. Perhaps the most straightforward conclusion is that God is not silent. Perhaps the most straightforward conclusion um, excuse me, his actions may be observed many ways, both externally as well as internally. But during those times when we wonder why God is not doing more in our lives or with others, we should learn to keep other lessons before us. Treasured promises in Scripture are precious and often occur literally. But that they do not always apply to specific cases should be clear both from the many comments about undergoing personal suffering in the exact same context as well as the fact that, in general, even biblical heroes suffered through tough circumstances far more frequently than they were exempted from them. That Jesus, our example, suffered so incredibly in spite of calling out to his Father is a reminder that we will not be exempt from many difficult situations. Following our leader, we too need to learn and grow through our suffering. One last subject with absolutely huge implications, and this is what I really want you to focus in on. One last subject with absolutely huge implications should be mentioned here in passing. Hundreds of recent psychological studies have proven that, contrary to what we often think, our chief pain in life comes not from what happens or does not happen to us. Rather, our worst pain generally occurs from what we tell ourselves about the things we experience. Did you catch that? It's not so much what happens to us or doesn't happen to us that makes us feel, or that make us feel, that God is silent. Rather, it's what we tell ourselves about those situations. In other words, he goes on to say, how can we download and interpret life, or excuse me, how we download and interpret life is of the utmost importance. We cannot pursue this here, but it follows in regard to God's silence that much of our pain, much of our worst pain, is self-inflicted. Most likely it is derived precisely not from anything that God fails to do, but from our telling ourselves things like the following, God does not care about me, refuses to act, breaks his promises, or does things for others but not me. Thinking and voicing such misbeliefs are the lies that can poison our lives and can serve as the direct cause of our most painful emotions. Therefore, exchanging these lies for truth can help us align our thinking with reality and can dramatically reverse these patterns of self-inflicted pain. And he quotes Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Let's take a look at that. Philippians 4, 6 through 9 says, reading from the CSB, Philippians 4, 6 through 9 says don't worry about anything 
but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving how appropriate present your request to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus finally brothers and sisters whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is commendable if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy dwell on these things do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you so I want to simply close you know folks a lot of times we we look and, and I think we're too stinking competitive we're too stinking competitive in the fact that we're always comparing ourselves to someone else we're always comparing our lives to what someone else has or doesn't have and so the silence of God is not because God is silent it's, it's because we have poisoned our minds in thinking that God does not care because we don't have something that someone else has or maybe someone else has an opportunity that we haven't been given but instead of focusing on the things that you don't have the challenge is to focus on the things that you do every single day God is with you every single day he is helping you every single day he is he is working within you to do something great if you'll simply listen to him and if you'll just simply give him praise for the things that you do it will transform the way you think and the way you perceive life and your relationship with God I want to close with this psalm Psalm 150 says hallelujah or that is other words saying praise the Lord praise God in his sanctuary praise him in his mighty expanse praise him for his powerful acts praise him for his abundant greatness praise him with trumpet blast praise him with harp and lyre praise him with tambourine and dance praise with him with strings and flute praise him with resounding cymbals praise him with clashing cymbals let everything that breathes praise the Lord hallelujah praise the Lord that's the challenge I think we have folks let's praise the Lord this Thanksgiving and again you can look all around you and you can see somebody who has something that you wish you had that's you're just going to poison the well of your own mind by doing that no matter how good you are there's someone better no matter how smart you are there's someone wiser no matter how strong you are there's someone with a little more strength someone with a little more speed someone with a little more money someone with a little gadget you wish you had the thing is instead of focusing on the things that we don't have this Thanksgiving the challenge is to focus on God and to be appreciative of the things that God has given you and this is true not only during Thanksgiving but should be true all year round you've been listening to the Bellator Christie podcast this is Brian Chilton saying God bless we hope you have a happy Thanksgiving and we'll see you back the next time when we step into the arena of ideas
expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of bellatorchristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi podcast is a production of bellatorchristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Michaela Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas. In his lifetime, Charles Spurgeon preached to over 10 million people, and his sermons have been changing millions more ever since. The CSB Spurgeon Study Bible weaves thousands of his words, notes, and excerpts into a rich daily study experience designed to bring to life the words of Charles Spurgeon alongside the words he loved and cherished his entire life. No one would be more surprised than Spurgeon to discover such a thing as the Charles Spurgeon Study Bible. And yet I think he would be both surprised and delighted. I would say that Spurgeon, as much as any preacher of an earlier era, has impacted my pastoral ministry, not in terms of the actual content itself, as much as the approach to scripture, as it were, on his knees. It's a material that has stood the test of time. And so for it to be encapsulated in this one form uh, is, is just a terrific resource. And I think that what it's going to do is broaden the understanding of the Bible and at the same time give to people an understanding of Spurgeon. With a rich and beautiful design, the Spurgeon Study Bible introduces readers to the insights and wisdom of Spurgeon as a pastoral guide through the Bible that includes his writings, journal entries, lost sermons, and resources not available anywhere else. For someone who's barely heard the name Spurgeon and perhaps has never even read anything that he wrote, the study Bible is going to be a revelation. Right there, page by page, book by book, they are introduced to Spurgeon at his very best. One of the things that will be immediately attractive to them is the fact that they will see Spurgeon's own handwriting within the prints of the Bible. So that not only do they have his comments, but they have his comments as they were originally written down. It is immediately appealing to the eye, as well as you know, rewarding to the mind. For the student of uh, scripture and the lover of Spurgeon, is a treasure trove. Throughout his life, Spurgeon gave himself to knowing, loving, and proclaiming the truth of Christ. Each edit and inclusion in the CSB Spurgeon Study Bible follows this passion that every reader might get into the very heart of the Word of God. There's a certain element in this study Bible that causes the reader to feel almost that they are inhabiting the time of Spurgeon himself. It's clearly all about the one whom he longs to preach and proclaim. This is the great value that is to be found in the material. I hope that this study Bible is going to introduce 
a whole new group of people to Spurgeon himself and to the influence that he had, and that because the heart of man is the same no matter where he finds himself or she finds herself. And Spurgeon's timeliness, indeed his timelessness, is that. Experience God's Word and the legacy of Charles Spurgeon. To find out more, visit csbspurgeonstudybible.com.